You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. The Big Show is powered by MortgagesToGo.ca, always the lowest interest rates in Canada since 2004. Visit MortgagesToGo.ca. We'll do our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select coming up, and we'll talk to Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider, for Daily Faceoff. But first, at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, NFL analyst, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, CBS Sports, courtesy of Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Ross, good morning. I hear you're playing uh, banged up here. We appreciate that you're jumping on this morning with us. We'll keep it short and sweet. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Uh, it's not that bad, but uh, I'm no longer in Las Vegas. I actually, uh, my daughters, I was there since Sunday. Mm-hmm. But my daughters are at a new school, and tonight is their daddy-daughter dance. So oh. I uh, I just took the red-eye back from Vegas to Philadelphia and drove an hour and a half from Philadelphia to my house in central Pennsylvania and just got home. And as soon as I'm done talking with you guys, yeah. I'm going to take like an all-time nap, like an all-time okay. nap. Because I was at I was at Jason Kelsey's party last night, and I went right from there to the airport. So interestingly, guys, um, mm-hmm. you might not know this, but talking uh, starting at four thirty a.m. local all day, and then drinking beers all afternoon, and then only getting two hours of sleep. Yeah, studies show that's not ideal for your voice. No, it 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 probably really. Isn't. Yeah, yeah, not ideal. I was surprised. I was surprised to learn that too, when I woke up after two hours of sleep on the plane, and yep. uh, called my wife, and she said, "You don't sound good." I said, "Well, I don't think you're supposed to when you just do what I just did." <laughs> um, I, I, you know what I mean? Quick... Like, yeah, this shouldn't this shouldn't be a surprise. Like, this is this is probably what should happen if you're yeah. an idiot like I was the last few days. Um, saw the donut. Um... Just the the potpourri, the, the 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 platters of donuts that you uh, posted on social media. Which one did you ultimately choose? Well, how about that? I'm not actually a huge donut guy, and I like would never purchase donuts. Mm. But I had donuts. I had donuts every single morning this week <laughs> because at Radio Row they would bring them out at 7 a.m. and I was there. My recording time for all my shows, my podcasts, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money Betting, etc., was 5 a.m. local. That's mm-hmm. why I had to get up at 3.45 every morning. Um, so I had a donut every time. <clears throat> my favorite, I think, I, I think they're called like glazed cake. In other words, it's the glazed that has some thickness to it. It's not just like the air-filled glaze. You know what I'm right. talking about? Old-fashioned glazed. For it. Yeah, old-fashioned glazed. It's called old-fashioned glazed? Yeah. God, I that. wasn't sure exactly what the uh, wasn't sure exactly what the official name was, but yeah, I went with that pretty much every day. It's really really um, good. Uh, we want to we wanna save your voice and get uh, your thoughts on the game. Um, can you tell me why, and I asked this question to Todd Furman on the show yesterday, why is all this professional money, all this big money being put on the 49ers in this game, Ross? 
Well, I didn't know that was the case. Who says that's the case? Uh, Todd Furman yesterday. A lot of money, uh, professional money, a lot of sharp money is being bet on the 49ers in this game. That's interesting. Um, I I would have no idea why that would be the case. I understand <laughs> why I understand why the 49ers are favored because I actually went over that on the Even Money Betting podcast with my co-host, and the answer that he gave me is essentially that you know the odds the, the betting line is always going to be based off of power readings and power ratings are going to be based off of the entire body of work, the entire sample size from the season. And essentially it's like the Niners over the course of the season. And a lot of it's like yard per play offensively and defensively. The Niners are essentially considered nine points better than an average team. And the Chiefs are considered six and a half points better than the average team, which is why when the line first came out, it was actually Niners favored by two and a half. And then a lot of, um, a lot of money came in on the Chiefs. That's why it went down to two. That's why I was surprised to hear what you just said about, you know, there being uh, sharp money or whatever on the Niners. What my argument would be, I don't think whoever is setting up those those lines, you know, or those those power ratings, I think that they are. Um, I don't think they're heavily weighting the most recent games enough. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. if you watch the playoffs, it's very clear that the Chiefs were the better team in all three games and deserved to win including like at Buffalo, at Baltimore. Meanwhile, the the Niners have not been the better team in either game. And they right. were very fortunate to win. So I think um I, I think, you know, I really like the Chiefs in the game. I really feel like if they played ten times that the Chiefs would win I don't know, seven maybe? Like I, I don't know, maybe eight. I, I just think they're better like, right now, the Chiefs' defense, clearly better. Chiefs' offensive line, playing better. Uh, Mahomes, better than Purdy. Andy Reid, like, like I, I don't really – and the Niners could win, and maybe they come out and, you know, they run the ball right down the Chiefs' throat, which I think is their best chance to win. You know, they can absolutely win the game. I just, I just don't think they have a very good argument. Like, I, I don't think – there's a very good argument for why you think that would that they're better or that they would win the game. That's the, that's the point I keep coming back to. So I like the Chiefs quite a bit, but you know anything can happen. It could very easily be one of those two or three times out of ten where the Niners win. That's that's why they play the games, which makes it interesting. Wanted to ask you about some of the discourse around the week leading up to the Super Bowl as well. What have you made of the fire alarm going off for the Niners and then their comments on the practice field they're playing on just maybe not being up to snuff? Yeah, um, it's funny because I I kind of want the Niners to win the game, okay? I don't okay. really care. I don't really care, but there's two reasons if I'm being honest and whatever, 
I don't really care. It doesn't affect my life. But number one, I really, really like when new guys get a chance to, you know, experience a championship. You know, like most of the Chiefs players, they did the parade last year. They did the ring ceremony last year. All those things. I would like to see the Niners get that chance. And I think they got a lot of awesome guys. Like I'd be, I'd be happy for Purdy. I'm pretty good friends with Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. Um, yeah, I'd be happy for McCaffrey, Kyle Shanahan, because I think he's a really good coach. But the Niners, and, and also, I, I don't really want Mahomes to win because I was teammates with Brady, and I think <laughs> Brady's the best ever, and I don't want Mahomes to, like, be able to stake that claim, you know? I want to be able to say I was teammates with and or snap the ball to the greatest of all time, right? So it doesn't really benefit me if the the Chiefs win <laughs> and, and my belief in, in Brady. However, to your point about your question, the Niners are just they, – they make it really hard to root for them. They, they, they make it – they're just not likable. I actually think the Chiefs – are more likable. You know, last year, after they lost the NFC Championship game, all they did after the game and all offseason was talk about how Purdy got hurt and we didn't have a quarterback that could throw the ball or whatever. And it just really goes against what I believe about sports. Like, I believe in personal responsibility, personal accountability, and so I would have preferred if the Niners would say, you know what, we didn't do a good enough job protecting our quarterbacks, and they got hurt, and that's on us. It's not what they said. But, like, they made it seem like it was, like, fluke injuries. They talked about it all offseason. And then even last year, the owner, last week, I should say, the owner was asked what he remembered from the Super Bowl against the Chiefs four years ago, and he said, I remember Nick Bosa being held on third and 15th. Nick Bosa was asked what he thought about the offensive tackles. He said, I think they hold a lot. Uh, you know, then the field stuff comes out this week. And it's just like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of people that are constantly blaming others. You know what I mean? Like, constantly blaming others or we were wronged. They've won a lot of games. They're, they're a really good franchise. They're a top five franchise. I hope they win Sunday. But can they please, please stop complaining all the time and stop whining? I mean, they're the, they're the 40 whiners at this point. That, 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 that's a great handle. Uh, Ross, I'm going to share you a little piece of advice. Uh, one of my mentors heading into this business when I first started out, Peter Gross, he's a legendary Toronto sportscaster in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. He told me, George, if it's, even if it's 2% your fault, it's still your fault. And that's always stuck with me. Totally agree. Totally agree. And for whatever reason, the Niners don't don't look at it that way or don't yeah. treat it that way. And it evidently it starts with the owner. You know, it starts at the top because, hmm. I mean, to, to, to say what do you remember from that Super Bowl and for that to be your, your first response, it's really, really disappointing. You know, I would never want, like, my daughters to have that mindset. Um, 
By the way, did I tell you that's why I flew back last yes. night? Yes. Yeah. I can't even remember. I'm delirious at this point. Like Anything uh, I say that's good, that's yep. me. Anything I say that's stupid, it doesn't count. Okay. Um, do you want us to let you go? Can you keep going? Because I, I got a couple more questions. It's up to you. Yeah, I can give you another one or two. Okay. Um, does Kyle Shanahan feel like Andy Reid before he won the big game here? Yeah, I tweeted that this week. I feels like he's um, at the Andy Reid in Philly stage of his career. Yeah, it really does. And now he's trying to uh, he's trying to get past that and get to the Andy Reid in Kansas City phase of his career. You know, against mm-hmm. against Andy Reid, um, which is yeah. kind of funny. But yeah, no, I I definitely feel that way. A lot of conference championship games. A lot of success, but not able to uh, not able to get over the hump just quite yet. Is he the guy who has the most pressure on him out of everybody in this game? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think Purdy a little bit less because this is only Purdy's second chance at a Super Bowl. You know, second playoff run, yeah. and even last year he got hurt. You know, it's not like he stunk up the joint in the NFC Championship game. But for uh, for Kyle Shanahan, if he doesn't win this one, you know, people are going to start to say he can't win the big one right or wrong, which that always bothers me. I think it's a stupid narrative because you got to win a lot of big ones to get to four conference championship games and two Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Like, they don't just, they don't just hand those things out. So he has to win a lot of big ones, but until he actually wins the Super Bowl, you know, people will say he can't win the big one, which is also laughable because it's like if he had had quarterbacks that weren't Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, if he had had, you know, some of these other guys that are out there, he probably would have won a couple by now. Uh, Ross, before I let you go, they announced uh, the Hall of Fame class for this year. But next year, there's a really interesting name that our producer, uh, Patty Dumas, who you text with a lot, he has a question for you on whether or not this particular player is a Hall of Famer. Hey, Ross, thanks for uh, hanging in there with us. Uh, what's your thought on Eli Manning in his uh, first year of eligibility getting into the Hall of Fame? I know it's a big debate. I don't think he'll get in. At all? I, 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 I think he... Will be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I don't. I do not think they'll make him a first ballot Hall of Famer. I've had enough guys on my show, voters um, on the Wrong Side of Football podcast, that have made it clear that they do kind of um, try to make a distinction for first ballot guys, and that you kind of got to be a no-brainer as a first ballot guy. And I, I don't think. Eli qualifies under that. Mm. I don't think Eli qualifies as a no-brainer first ballot guy. So I don't. I, I think they'll make a point to not let him in next year, and then they'll probably get in the year after that or whatever. You know, but yeah. I think is I think it's probably fair. Like he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, uh, but I think that they'll they'll say, you know what, this is not a guy that kind of um, the expression or phrase they use is jumps the line mm. he's not a guy that jumps the line because the reality is when you look at like the 20 finalists all those guys 
are, are, are pretty much worthy. You know, like there, there aren't any guys I look at and say, well, he's definitely not a Hall of Famer. Like they could all have a pretty good argument as being Hall of Famers in my book. They're all good, really good. Uh, Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, CBS Sports, Westwood One, the Ross Tucker Betting Podcast. Uh, Ross, we appreciate you uh, toughing it out this morning with us. Thanks, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the game. Yeah, sounds great. Of course. See you guys. There he is, uh, courtesy of Tom's Huffson Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. He's a gamer. I can't believe you kept him that extra five minutes. That was ruthless on I your part. I asked him. Yeah, obviously he's going to say yes because he's a polite man. You should have let him go. He sounded like he was one foot in the grave. My goodness. No. What are you doing? The poor man has a fa- father-daughter dance tonight. You're making him go to the end of the earth. Unbelievable. He says he's going to crush an epic nap now. I can't believe you kept him an extra five minutes. I asked. When he was like, I don't even remember what I told yeah, you where I am at the beginning of the Hang yeah, on. Of course he's going to say yes. Hang Ridiculous. on. But Ross, no, no, no. But Ridiculous. Ross is the type of guy who would say, you know what, guys, I'm checking out. <laughs> Man. And he's done that with us. I got to go. I just think that there were points in that interview where I felt like we should let the man go. I just thought okay. he's having right. a hard morning. We should probably let him go. <laughs> I wanted to get the Patty Dumoulin line. I know you really wanted to get there, but we also could have waited till next week. We got there. (laughs) I can't believe it's just he's snoozing. He was, (laughs) yeah. Like we might need to do a wellness check on the guy. He'll be fine. He's fine. Big strong man. He's fine. Vegas took is taking a lot of people down right now. Oh man! Oh my goodness! It's taking a lot of few notches in the belt for Old Sin City. All right, uh, let's do our NFL Big Bets, brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at sportselect.com. Must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Let's fire it up. Show me the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Gambling? Who say anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. All right, this is it. Our last edition of the season, doing the National Football League, heading into our the final picks. We already made some prop picks last week. Now we're doing game and prop picks. Here we go. Maddie, seventy-eight, forty-six and two. Patrick, sixty-five, fifty-eight and four. I'm in mediocre land, sixty-two, sixty-three and two. But I can definitely have a good week and get well over five hundred and potentially get roasted, which would be a win for this guy. All right, you guys ready? Ready to get into this? Oh yeah. All right, let's talk about the line. San Francisco 49ers right now one-and-a-half-point favorites. The total, 47-and-a-half. Matty? This line terrifies me. Sharp money is chasing the Niners. Sharp football people are chasing the Chiefs. Uh, So you know what I'm going. Old faithful. I'm taking the under, baby. Uh, It's been very good to me all season. The goal is to try and get to 85 wins. Currently at 78 on the season. Uh, I've got 11 bets still to place. We'll see if we can get to 85. It'll start with the under in the big game. All right, Patrick, where are we going? Yeah, I hate the line as well. Give me the over, though, in this one. I think there's going to be some points scored uh, between the Niners and the Chiefs. Give me some fun there in Vegas. Can I take both lines? (laughs) No? Does that mean you get what? Well, I think you just get one choice. Either the team or the over-under. All right, I'm going to take the Chiefs plus one and a half. There you go. I think they win this game, Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to go under the total, too. 
I, I think we're gonna. I think the confetti will be flying around Las Vegas with the Chiefs once again winning, and Taylor Swift's gonna have some tears in her eyes as her man wins another Super Bowl champion. What's she'll more have tears like, in her eyes. What's more likely, Kelsey proposing, endorsing Biden, or retiring? Uh, okay, first of all, like endorsing Biden is just ridiculous, especially with that report yesterday. But anyway, I didn't see the, a report yesterday. But. Yeah, he's a senile old man, which we all knew. Well, yeah. So, um. He's not going to pop the question. There's no way you pop the question at the Super Bowl. I nope. could see him retiring yep. if they win. I could see that. That was the obvious answer. I was just desperately looking for two other things on the fly to ask you. Go ahead. Next okay. one. All right. All right. Uh, Brock Purdy over under passing yards. And rushing yards. And, and, sorry, and rushing yards. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the little two, quirk. That is a little quirk. I like that. 266 and a half passing and rushing yards, Maddie. Over under. I am going to take the over here. Uh, Brock Purdy can basically hit this just by passing alone. You get a couple of big ones to Ayuk, a couple dump-offs to uh, Kittle and, and Debo, and all of a sudden he's going to fly over that thing. Plus, we saw him last game scamper for quite a few yards. A lot of us were surprised. Maybe he can do it again. So I'm going to take the over on this one. Patrick? I'm going to take the under in this. I think he can get to the passing yards around 250 or so. I don't think he's going to have a crazy run like he did against Detroit, which really put him over that mark last week. I'm going to go the under. I am going to go under as well. I think uh, they're going to do a good job of trying to shut down Brock Purdy and this passing game. Interesting where Legereus Sneed is going to be traveling around the field trying to shut down a guy like Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle, obviously, uh, the king of uh, yards after the catch. But I'm going to take under the 266 and a half. Speaking of the aforementioned Debo Samuel, over under receiving and rushing yards, Matty, 79 and a half. I'm going to take the under on this one. Uh, I just think that it's going to be tough for Debo to hit this one between the, the two. He hasn't hit it uh, in a ton of his games recently. Uh, 79 and a half is a lot. If this was like 70 and a half, 69 and a half. It would be very nice, but I'm going to go under on this one. It's a little high for me. Okay, Patrick, what do we got? Yeah, I just think he could probably, again, get to the like a 70 type receiving yards. I just wonder, like, I know they do line him up at running back a few times. Asker it. Give me the over. Give me the over in this. I think he can get yeah. 80 receiving and 10 rushing. I think Debo Samuel is going to be the key. If the Niners win this game, it's going to mm. be because of Debo Samuel and his versatility running the football and catching it. But I'm still going to take the under, 79.5, rushing <laughs> and receiving yards. It's our NFL Big Bats brought to you by Sports Select. Uh, Patty Mahomes, over under longest pass completion. A very tasty prop of 36.5 yards, Matty. Yeah, uh, he goes over this regularly. And if there's one thing that Andy Reid does, it's draw up all sorts of weird concoctions in his playbook. Uh, I'm going to take the over here. I feel like there is going to be an instance where, you know, Travis Kelsey grabs one at 25 yards and rumbles for an extra 15 or, or Pacheco on a little screen pass. I'm going to take the over. He had a 39-yard pass against Miami, which was his longest of the playoffs so far. He had a 32 against Buffalo and a 32 against Baltimore. I'm going to take the law of averages here. I'm going to say he's going to go right under the 36 and a half longest pass completion. Could this be an MVS big play? Could be. That's exactly or, what I'm thinking when I say or a Rashid Rice big play or Travis Kelsey breaks a couple tackles and rumbles down the field 
while Taylor Swift in her 87 jacket are jumping up and down with that red lipstick. I'm going to take over 36 and a half. Do you think she has to take a, uh, a plane from one side of the suite to the other? Maybe. Well, did you see she has to sell her private plane because there's a creeper on... It's not a creeper. Online. It's a dude that uh, puts pe- celebrity uh, flight data, which is public knowledge, on an Instagram for a project he's doing. And now she's right. suing him, which is just stupid. It's public knowledge. Co- all right. <laughs> she's a little power hungry. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Wow. Oh, whoa. Whoa. You know where I lie with Taylor Swift right now. You know that. That she's okay. the best? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it's saving it's our awesome world. That she likes her man mm. playing football and she's cheering him on. I'll take uh, Christian Yuschek. What? Or Kyle, Kyle Yuschek's wife. <laughs> or, or Christian McCaffrey's Olivia Coplo? No, I don't know who that is. Okay, she, you should look her up. All right, Harrison Bucker. Over under total kicking points. Seven and a half, Maddie. Under. Okay, we got to roll here. We got to get to Frank. Patrick. Over. All right, I'm going to take over. And finally, uh, McCaffrey, Mr. Olivia Coppolo, and uh, Isaiah Pacheco over under rushing yards combined, 175 and a half, Maddie. Under. They're going to catch balls too, so it's if this is just a straight rushing prop, no chance. It is rushing. That's why I said under. Okay. Over. I'm going to take under. I think they're going to really focus on CMC in this matchup. All right, there it is. Our NFL bag, Big Bats brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at sportselect.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Frank Saravalli next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan at the top of the hour. In studio, The Chronolist, Flames Big Show analyst, The Solution Snake. I'm a snake. Uh, with the 5 3 win by the Flames last night in New Jersey over the Devils. But first, from NHL Daily Faceoff, Mr. Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Frank, good morning. How are you? What's up, boys? What's uh, what's going on? You, what's, you going what, back what's to your... Niagara for Super Bowl Sunday? Super Bowl Sunday, yeah, and it's uh, my nephew's birthday, big birthday, so uh, yeah, and then uh, back for the whole hockey season the rest of the way, so uh, exciting times uh, for me. What are your Super Bowl plans? I don't have any at the moment. I got to get some. I I would, yeah, that'd be a good idea. I should wait longer. Um, is there an is there an unwritten rule in the NHL that GMs aren't going to trade on Super Bowl Sunday? No, there's not. Oh, okay, there should be. I don't I think mean, has I, there been I, I trades be down for that for sure. Yeah, has there been trades on Super Bowl Sunday lately? I'm trying to think, I don't think so. I'm sure there has been at one point or another. Yeah, that that feels like uh, that's that's just very bad etiquette. Much like having a wedding on a Super Bowl Sunday because it's really cheap. Um, Frank, wanted Honestly, to ask we we had yeah. a hockey a youth hockey game scheduled for Sunday at five o'clock, and I I literally was like no. I just said sorry. We, we we need yeah. to we need to reschedule this game. I'm sorry. My, yeah, it can't work. My can't buddy work. had a beer league game that was supposed to be on Sunday, but everyone said they weren't going to show up, so they just canceled it. Yeah, no kidding. It's the Super Bowl. It's once a year. Um, it's a very joyous occasion. 
Um, Frank, wanted to ask you about uh, load management. It's a term that's been really uh, – the Raptors are responsible for all of this with Kawhi Leonard in 2019 when they won the championship, and there was a lot of, quote, load management around Kawhi Leonard and ended up winning the title. I um, want to ask you about Chris Tanev because we saw it last night. The dude is such a warrior, blocking shots, taking high sticks, flying into the net, going to the tunnel twice. The guy, when he's out there, is such a fierce competitor that there's always a risk – of him getting injured, and according to Francis last night during the intermission, they're kind of holding out for a first-round pick because there's a second-round pick on the table for Chris Tanev. Like, what do you do if you're Craig Conroy? He's helping you win hockey games, and you can get into the playoff race, but at the same time, he's a very valuable asset that could get hurt at any time going on under the ice, which is a lot different from Hannafin just based on his style. Like, should the Flames be, quote, load-managing Chris Tanev? I don't even think load management is the proper term. I think the proper term is asset protection. And it's it's really simple for me. Like Chris Tanev is, for all the reasons you mentioned, a warrior. I'd call him a human missile. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's unafraid of anything, which is to his credit. But for me, if I'm Craig Conroy, I, I'd be saying, we love everything you bring. Everyone knows what that is but we're not going to be the team that's left holding the bag at the end of this season because you got hurt. And whether it's today or next week or three weeks from now, you know, Chris, we love you, but we're sitting you out and we're going to just wait for a trade because I, I just, I don't think they can afford to get through this process and have him be banged up and it not happen. I don't, mm. you know, whatever happens with the playoff race, and I know they've won a couple games to start this trip. Um, th that's after trading Lindholm. Like, who's yeah. to say they can't trade Tanev and the same thing happens? So, for me, um, it's real clear. Chris Tanev wouldn't be playing another game if I were running the team um, because I just don't think they can afford it. Uh, I just had a comparable when you said about Warrior. Chris Tanev's like Troy Polamalu was in the NFL. Just no regard for his body, doing whatever means necessary to win a game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just Tanev has better hair. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? Whoa. Yes. That's a hot take. That is. And Tanev does have nice salad, but Polamalu's got that long curly mane that he's parlayed into some sweet head and shoulders bank. Um, so crazy the Philly guy doesn't like the Pittsburgh legend. That's yeah, wild. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Um, do, you, do you think they'll get a first-round pick for Chris Tanev? No, I don't. Okay. I just don't think Why? the market supports it right okay. now. And I think where Chris Tanev is at in his career arc and because of some of the things that we just talked about, I mean, if you want, I can I – because I did this exercise the other day um, – I went through and I looked at all of the players who have been traded for a first round pick, all the defensemen specifically that have been traded for a first round pick since 2023. The list is actually kind of long, but bear with me. Mm -hmm. Eric Carlson, Ivan Provorov, Jacob Chikrin, Dmitry Orlov, Philip Hironik, Vladislav Gavrikov, Matthias Ekholm, and then there's two special exceptions, Rasmus Sandin and Jake McCabe. Now, Sandine is 12 years younger than Tanev and was a first-round pick. So he gets one back. And then McCabe had two years left on his deal at $4 bucks, and the Blackhawks retained half 
So they got the the Leafs got two years at two million. So you can understand why that became a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Which one of these is not like the others? Do you think Chris Tanev falls into that category with Ekholm, Gavrikov, Hironik, Orlov, Chikrin, Provorov, and Carlson? No. Okay. So is, it's, is it's just what market I'd rather analysis, have. Really. Yeah, like what I'd rather, and again, be based on the salary cap, would I rather have Chris Tanev over Jake McCabe in a playoff run? Yes, I would. Yeah, but I just explained why. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. But because of all the circumstances surrounding that, obviously that's why the first-round pick was traded. Like a team like Tampa Bay now with that gross Sergachev Sh- injury, easy for me to say, um, they wouldn't potentially be, and apparently there was a couple scouts in that game last night, they wouldn't be apt to potentially trade a first-round pick for Chris Tanev now? because that blue line I, just got a hell of a lot thinner. I don't think so. I think they <clears throat> I think they were in the market to get two defensemen now. So maybe Oof. they're in a position not really all that different than Toronto where mm. if they're trading a first, it's going to be to fill multiple holes. Where do you think the discussion lies and on By the way, uh, yep. the Lightning don't have a first round pick until 2026. I want to ask you another question about the Flames. Well, well, we're on the Bolts. Like, does this does this scuttle their season? Like, how do you think they this changes things? Because that was a a gruesome injury, and and b even then it's been a little bit of a scuffle out of the All Star break. It it has, and and I think it's a really fair question to ask of how aggressive will they be in response? Do you maybe just sit tight now and say, you know what, we've spent a ton of future assets on this current team. And and I think maybe the other part of it is to look back in Julian Breezebois' playbook and say, well, the last few deadlines, he has traded the first-round pick, but it's almost always been for someone that can be under team control. Mm-hmm. Last year, a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth-round pick for Tanner Janot. The year before that, you know, they got uh, Brandon Hagel and then re-signed him to a long-term deal. The year before that, Nick Paul. Like, they've they've spent a lot of picks on players that they can retain. So is there someone out there that, you know, would someone like a Hannafin make sense there that you could then keep under team control for a while if you can afford it on the cap with the cap increase coming? I I, I tend to believe that they could, although they've handed out most of that increase to Brandon Hagel. Hmm. Okay. Uh. Well, on Hannafin, you know, we had heard that going into the all-star break, uh, a decision might be imminent coming out of said break. Mm-hmm. Do you know if the decision has been made or where we are at with that between Hannafin and the Calgary Flames? To my knowledge, I, I don't have any details on if a decision has been made. I, I've been asking lots of questions this week, and it's been very quiet. So I don't know if that means they're in the thick of it or if they haven't met yet, but I can tell you that on the Hannafin front, it hasn't been this quiet at any part in the process. What does that imply? I, I'm, I'm, I don't. I would hesitate to imply <laughs> anything because <laughs> it, it, it may be completely neutral. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, the other things that, like, apart from Tanev and Hannafin, obviously, you know, Eric Francis had the story on Jacob Markstrom. I, I think that one continues to be iffy. But anybody else that you're looking at on this roster for the Flames that might become a name as we get closer to March 8th? I mean, I'd be surprised. I think one of the big things that we've talked about is you need some core pieces to 
help carry this team through these next couple years. And there's been lots of opportunity for the young guys, which I think has been important and a huge storyline of this season. But I, you know, I don't see something materializing for Manjapani or, you know, pick another player on the team. Probably not Rasmus Anderson. Like you certainly could, but the value is there for you to keep him. Um, and then I think right as soon as you get on the other side of the all-star break, one of the first things you're probably going to want to do is have a discussion with Oliver Shillington and how he's playing to see whether or not you could keep him. So I think there's lots of things to tackle in the process. I just don't see outside of the obvious pending UFAs really anyone in, outside of the goaltending situation that you mentioned that pops up. Frank Saravalli uh, from NHL Daily Faceoff, joining us courtesy of South Trail Exports, Big Show Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. After seeing Vanacek in the goaltending in Carolina last night, would Craig Conroy just be screaming at the Devils and Hurricanes, like, make me an offer for Jake Markstrom? I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be a tough thing to do for someone that has a full no move, no trade. You could scream at the GMs all you want, but you'd have to know that he's someone that wants to move. Based on the quote last night, he potentially might be open to that, depending on, and again, I'm reading way too much into the quote last night, I mean, the Francis article, but it feels like if if the deal is right, because obviously I think that's something you told us too, that they haven't even approached him with a potential deal, but if something is too good to pass up, would those teams be willing to make that move, or is it something that Maddie's been talking about pretty much the whole time, this feels like a summer thing? It feels way more like a summer thing to me. Um, I think it's important that he's had an open mind because I think everyone can kind of look into a crystal ball and it's not today or tomorrow, but at some point, you know, the future becomes kind of clear that it appears it'll be Dustin Wolf's crease sooner rather than later. Right. And so yeah. whether that's Markstrom playing the role of mentor for a couple years or whether that's Dan Vladar being traded, like, you know, We've talked about this a number of times this year. Like at some point, the Flames aren't are going to be out of clock to do something, and they're going to have to. And it's it's it is this summer, one way or the other. And the fact that he's kept an open mind, Jacob Markstrom, I think, is probably really beneficial to everyone else. We had the conversation in the six o'clock hour. Um, Jacob Markstrom's playing well enough that he might drag this team into the playoffs. Do you believe that? Uh. I have a hard time believing it based on the pieces that they're going to continue to pluck off. Hmm. Is there a scenario where they acquire something on the deadline after trading away these big pieces that they have to just to help this team potentially get into a playoff spot, a small I, move here or there? I, I, I don't think so. Unless it's someone that is young and under team control or has term on their contract. No, I, I don't see them spending assets to help this team this year. But I do I do envision a world where they take some of their assets and flip them at some point, maybe not between now and the deadline, but this mm -hmm. summer to then really improve this team in the short term. But in a, in a in an authentic way that could, you know, help this team for 2 years and 10 years. Like the Heronic deal the Canucks did? 
that's that's the blueprint right there. Like they've shown you how to do it, what to do, mm. and now it's about going to execute. And I think the other thing to take from it, which Craig Conroy has clearly, you know, seized upon, is be aggressive. Look at how many trades the Canucks have made in the last calendar year. I think it's seven. I mean, it's it's an incredible amount of work at a time when everyone says you can't make moves and dollar in, dollar out, and every other cliche that everyone wants to throw at you. Look at the last, I don't know, what is it, eight months since Greg Conroy took over? Look at what he's turned to Foley, Zadarov, and now Lindholm into, and then pile on more assets if it's Hannafin and Tanev to say nothing of the goalies. Mm. It starts to get pretty exciting and pretty intoxicating. Mm. Anything else on the Flames before we step away? I did want to ask you about the Coyotes as well. I, I don't have anything else on the Flames right now. No, I think it. This everyone's waiting on what's happening with Hannafin. Uh, can you tell us about the Coyotes and what we might hear about this weekend? I'd love to know what we're going to hear, but... And frankly, also the timing of it, and that's that was the curious part about, you know, around the Super Bowl and why it was mentioned, uh, and multiple people had been saying that. It's it's a fascinating scenario. I mean, depending on what reporting you're listening to, and there's some from Craig Morgan at PHNX Sports who says that he has government sources telling him that there was a great quote, executive session for the Arizona State Land Trust yesterday. It, it also wasn't on their agenda officially, so no one will ever know. And how much of this is just a pure smokescreen for what may be coming on the other end? And then let's say, like, let's play the hypothetical game, and let's say all of this is true. Let's say that there was a great executive session for the Arizona State Land Trust, and they're narrowed down on a piece of land that's 100 acres, and, and, and it still has to go through a full process. You still need studies, appraisals. <laughs> you need uh, you need a, a full-blown auction where someone could come in at the last minute and buy the land out from under you. Just because there's an auction doesn't mean the Coyote's owner is going to win. So there's a million things attached to it. And then the next question after that is, okay, let's say he does win. When? When is this all going to take place? To me, there's way too many question marks. And... I, I don't think this team has ever been closer to leaving Arizona than they are at this exact moment in time. What about the ownership team and how long they're going to be involved with the NHL? That's a great question. What are the avenues and resources that the NHL has available to them to basically force a sale or pull the plug or whatever term it is that you want to use? Because this can't go on forever, and they've made it clear to this ownership group that it can't go on forever. We are not going to accept this team playing in Mullet Arena at 4,600 seats for the next five seasons. It's just, it's it's a revenue suck. It's not okay, and I don't care if they're cash flow positive. I can tell you in speaking to, to league sources, the rest of the board of governors, the other owners, are they've had enough themselves. They don't they're, they're tired of this. And they feel like in some ways the NHL has been too generous to the Coyotes and in the 
the rope that they've provided them over the last two decades. And I'll take it one step further. I think this team is so toxic in the marketplace with their bankruptcies, with their arena saga, with two different municipalities telling them to get lost that I I think they have to pull up stakes and move. Like I I think they need to rebrand the team, whatever they're called, wherever else they play the salt Lake, whatever. And then really try and find a way to come back to Phoenix five years from now, when you have a proper owner, when you have a proper arena and do it right, because I'm a believer in the market, but I'm not a believer in this franchise as it's currently constituted with this Mm -hmm. ownership group to be able to get it done. Is Houston right there too? I, I, from an NHL ready perspective, like building wise and market wise. Yes. But I'm really skeptical about from an ownership perspective. Are they right there? Because Hmm. there was some sort of, uh, you know, it was hot out of the gate with Tillman Fertitta who owns the Houston Rockets. But I think he really cooled on the process. And I think he really cooled on hockey which then lends itself to they may have a building, they may have a great city for it, but do they actually have someone willing to pay the price? Hmm. Terrific stuff as usual, Frank. Thanks for this, pal. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Who's winning? Uh, I got the Chiefs. I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, me too. And plus, I kind of hate the Niners. They're a bunch of whiners. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's what Ross Tucker totally was talking about before you jumped on. Ross Tucker, where does he live? Well, again, Pennsylvania guy like you. Also a big Troy Polamalu guy, I'm sure. <laughs> see you guys. All right, see you, Frank. Uh, there's Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider Daily Faceoff, <laughs> brought to you by Cell Trail Exports with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to set your vehicle for cash. Visit SellTrailExports.com. You want to know the last time there was a trade on Super Bowl Sunday, George? I would love to know that. It was February 7th, 2010. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. Uh, Sharks acquire Nicholas Wallin in a fifth. The Hurricanes get a second. That was the that was the trade. Nick Wallin. Nick Wallin. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like getting married on Super Bowl Sunday. It's a big foul. I get it. You're on a budget. It's cheap to get married on a Super Bowl, but who wants to have their wedding ruined by everyone huddled around a TV watching a football game? I honestly don't know if this happens that often. Like you always bring this up, but I I don't know if there's a lot of weddings on Super Bowl Sunday. At least in northern I've, climates. Definitely not around here. It's southern like Ontario look outside. It's it. just awful outside. I yeah, would not want to do Ontario a wedding right cuz it's cheaper. I guess. Yeah. I guess. All right. The solution snake. The I don't know that. Big show flames analyst. He'll be there. He'll be there. <laughs> If he's not, whatever. He'll be. Yeah, we got lots to talk about the Flames. <laughs> lots to digest over that 5-3 win last night. We'll also give you our locks of the day. Lots to do in the 8 o'clock hour. Brent Cron next, we think. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.